It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That creative starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits is not afraid. I have a freaking listen to yourself to the world, but it don't need something to your own life. Speed it up and that speed got no seats. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, Mr. Sixth Seven Gangs and the government for hire in the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, the jury beat it down your neck. Investing reporters got to jump in the ground with that low plane Find them up for overflow, five minutes in corners But it'll be the secret devil, secret devil world And you don't need to see your heart Tell me that the river in the river was the right You patriotic, patriotic, plan might right My feeling is pretty It's like It's the end of the world as we know it It's the end of the world as we know it It's the end of the world as we know it And I feel fine Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That creative starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits is not afraid. I have a freaking listen to yourself to the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Speed it up and that speed got no seats. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, Mr. Sixth Seven Gangs and the government for hire in the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, the jury beat it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the end of the world as we know it. I don't know. No, that's not how it goes. This is the hour of doom. <laughs> and bloom. Well, people might want to hear you sing. Oh, they really don't. Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the doom and bloom survival medicine hour, a time of temperance in an intemperate world. I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find 700 videos, podcasts, posts, all sorts of stuff on medical preparedness for any disaster. I'll admit it, I'm a fossil, but I've got a fixation, and that's to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. And you are? Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. You are indeed. You sort of trailed off there a little bit, buddy, (laughs) but believe me, she is not a shrinking violet. She is the hostess with the most as tough as nails. Just got those nails done in a pretty new color. She sure did. Together, we are the watchers on the wall, and we watch it all for you to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. 
Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with that egregious elk? Well, our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Ursabe. And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and, and wherever, wherever it, is, it available. is available. That's right. Don't listen to a thing we say. However, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a lot to learn, and you better get started. What's new, Baby Blues? We learn as much from you as you do from us, so connect with us, for goodness sake. It is easy. Here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. Absolutely. Email us anytime at drbonespodcast at aol.com. You can find us on Twitter at Prepper Show. And we have a fantastic group of people on Facebook. That's right. And the group is called Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. We also have Pages, Doom and Bloom, and Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And our YouTube channel is Dr. Bones Nurse Amy, or you can also look up Dr. Bones Podcast on that. That's and right. our video cast twice a month on the first and third Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is at AroundTheCabin.com. And That's it's right. lots of fun. Lots of fun, and we're actually going to be doing one a video cast. From beautiful Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and that's going to be this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Go to AroundTheCabin.com to find out more. Hey, bear me with uh, bear with me for a minute. I gotta get a tiny bit of housekeeping out of the way. Most of that housekeeping is about the lovely Nurse Amy. You know that Nurse Amy has put together a pretty awesome line of medical kits for times of trouble as well as individual items you might find useful to put in your medical bag make sure you check them out at store.doomandbloom.net and don't forget our survival medicine handbook still a gosh a still a standard reference book for situations where help is not on the way you can find that on amazon.com and you can find it on our website if you want to get a personally signed copy Make sure you get a copy, though, because you need to know what to do when that ambulance is heading in the other direction. Now, for those of you who have kept our book on the most wished-for list for the last two years on Amazon, but are a little short on cash, because that's why you're wishing for it, because you don't have the cash, (laughs) right? We have a shorter, less expensive, abridged version of our book that's published by Sky Course Publishing. They call it the Ultimate Survival Medicine Guide, and you'll find that on Amazon as well for a lesser price. It has less information, but still has a lot of great information, so consider that. You know, CPR classes are important for everyone to take in normal times, but standard CPR compressions and breaths, well, they're most helpful in normal times when there are ICUs and respirators and stuff like that. Now, one thing the CPR class teaches you that does have relevance relevance, relevance in off-grid survival is how to deal with an airway obstruction. Now, an airway obstruction most commonly occurs as a result of some bite of food lodging in the back of your throat and cutting off respiration. This is a relatively common way to die, even in modern times, but it can be treated successfully with limited supplies in good times or bad. Now, some signs of an airway obstruction are difficulty breathing or very noisy breathing sometimes called strider you can't talk you can't cough you need air to do that 
your skin starts turning blue. That's called cyanosis. That's due to a lack of oxygen getting into your airways. And of course, over the course of time, less oxygen gets to your brain and you have a decreasing level of consciousness or you lose consciousness. Now, if you see a conscious adult in sudden respiratory distress and you ask them, are you choking? If they could answer you, well, guess what? There's still air passing into your lungs, right? (laughs) Right. So they probably is not a complete blockage if it is a blockage at all. Now, if it is a complete blockage, they're going to be unable to speak. They'll be agitated. They'll be holding your throat. It's like a universal sign. They'll hear you, however. Your, their ears still work, and they frantically nod their head, yes. This is your signal to jump into action. So what should you do for an adult in this situation? Tell them you're there to help them immediately get into position for the Heimlich maneuver, otherwise known as an abdominal thrust. Now, by the way, if it's normal times, you should be calling or have someone call 911 while you're doing this. Now, get behind the victim, make a fist with your right hand, place your fist right above the belly button, and wrap your left arm around the patient. So you got both arms around the patient, one or at least one of those uh, hands on in a fist, and grasp that fist with the other hand. You make sure your arms are positioned just below the rib cage, and then with a forceful upward motion, you press your fish abruptly into the abdomen. You may have to do this multiple times. They say do it five times before you dislodge the foreign body. In old movies, you might see somebody slap someone hard on the back. This isn't as likely to dislodge a foreign object as the abdominal thrust is. But if you have to use it, make sure you do it right in the center of the upper back with the victim bent over so that the torso is parallel to the ground. This way, gravity might help the foreign object drop out of the mouth. Now, blows to the back are actually considered more effective in an infant. Now, you place place the baby over your forearm facing down, almost like you would be holding a a football, and you apply several blows with the heel of your hand to the upper back. Now, if your patient loses consciousness, then that's maybe a different situation. You're unable to dislodge the obstructive item. You might have to put that person in a special position, put him on their back and straddle them across the thighs or hips open their mouth make sure the object can't be removed manually sometimes it can basically you you swipe the swipe the back of the mouth with your uh, fingers and see if you can actually dislodge it but if you can't go ahead with the heels of your palms place them right above the uh, belly button and right below the breastbone and give let's say five thrusts with the heels of your hands, one above the other, and straight upward towards towards the mouth and see if you have dislodged it. Look in the mouth and see if you might have dislodged it. Now, sometimes that won't work either. And boy, that is that would be bad because you might have to go to other extreme methods. Now, the most extreme method to open that airway is going to be a tracheotomy. Now, this procedure is also called a cricothyroidotomy, and what it involves is cutting an opening in the windpipe below the level of the obstruction. Most of the time, the obstruction will be in the in the larynx, and you need to go just below that. Now, tracheotomy should only be performed, by the way, when an airway obstruction completely prevents the ability to breathe after multiple Heimlich maneuvers have been attempted unsuccessfully. Usually the person has lost consciousness, turned blue, that person is dying. This is an extreme measure meant to save somebody's life. Now to perform a tracheotomy, you're gonna need a sharp blade, you're gonna need some kind of tube such as a straw, 
course, a good first aid kit would be helpful, but don't worry about antiseptics for now. You're performing this procedure because somebody's going to die in the next few minutes. It goes as follows. Start at the Adam's apple, which is a prominence on the front of the neck, seen easily in men, less so in women. Men, however, seem to have airway obstructions more often than women, so I guess that's a good thing. Move about one inch down the neck from the Adam's apple until you feel a bulge. Now, that bulge is another prominence called the cricoid cartilage. Now, what you're going to need is a knife or something sharp, a razor blade, whatever you happen to have. Make a horizontal incision right here in the crease between the Adam's apple and the cricoid cartilage. And that incision can be less than an inch long. So it doesn't have to be a big incision, but you ha don't have to go very deep. You can go have to go in about a half inch, I would say, deeper so. There shouldn't be a lot of blood by doing this procedure. If you happen to have one of those clamps that allow that you can open and close it, if you put that clamp right in the incision and stretch it, then you'll be able to see a grayish uh, membrane. And that membrane is the opening that you're going to make right into the airway and uh, right into the airway and so you make sure that the incision is goes through that area that area completely and if that happens you should note a passage of air into the lungs be careful not to cut too deeply now you want to place something hollow in that opening so that that will maintain a clear airway. Now, straw, if you happen to have that, that would do in a pinch. Uh, if you can't do that, then you could use, if you had a, happen to have a scalpel or the back, the back of a knife, you could place that in there and, and stretch it a little bit to try to keep that area open. But the bottom line is you got to keep it open so that you can allow air to go into the lungs. Now, if you happen to have a straw, a straw, make sure that it goes a couple of inches down the windpipe. This makes it less likely to fall out. Now, if the patient fails to breathe on their own at this point, then you may need to perform CPR through that opening, including rescue breaths through the tube you inserted. Now, I don't have to tell you this is a very dangerous procedure. A lot can go wrong, but the patient is dying. It might be your last resort. Only consider it when you've tried every other option first. Hey, we've got a very special guest today, the publisher of a brand new magazine called Disaster Survival Magazine. And it's a pretty special magazine for us because sure enough, they decided to use us on the cover for their cover interview. And so we were pretty excited about that. And of course, we're always happy to support brand new folks in the preparedness industry. Our guest today is Vincent Von Doom of DisasterSurvivalNetwork.com, and I think that you're going to like a lot of what he has to say. We've got a whole series of TV and audio and website links that he has for us with lots of good information, and so here's Nurse Amy with our interview of Vincent Von Doom of Disaster Survival Network. Hey, Vince, are you there? Yeah, how's it going? Oh, fantastic. Busy, busy, just like you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in preparedness? I was always a survivor. Uh, I almost died like three times. Two was in car accidents. The other time, my, my gallbladder exploded 
Oh. Um, I had I had so many gallstones. They were like the size of golf balls that it, it just exploded. And all the um, toxins and poisons rushed into my body. Oh, so yeah. So I had to cut, cut me open. The other two uh, head-on collisions where they had to cut me open, um, where my uh, spleen <laughs> exploded. I lost all my blood. I had that was like a one, one minute away from death. So I survived death three times. Wow. Um when I was a kid, I grew up on movies like First Blood, Rambo, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I had all the G.I. <laughs> Joe figures and all the Plastic Green Army Men. And, uh, um, <laughs> what I about Mad really... Max? Did you watch Mad Max? Movies? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I watched Mad Max. Um, <laughs> I, we had a, a huge backyard where uh, there was pumpkin fields and cornfields. And uh, I thought I was like in the Vietnam jungle and like I was just a little kid and I'd play fort. So I, I really started getting into like the army stuff. And then uh, my mom enrolled me in martial arts. I was taking Taekwondo. Um, I was a big follower of Bruce Lee. And I, I would dress up like a ninja and stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it was really fun. Um, when I got older, I, I really started thinking about joining the military. I was watching the first Gulf War unfold right in front of me on TV. Mm. Um, I watched Peter Jennings every night, um, which was actually, he actually ended up being a, a client of ours. We owned a, um, a limo company, and uh, my mom's uh, fiance would drive Peter Jennings into the city every, every day. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but he died of lung, lung cancer a few, a few yeah. years ago, but he, he mm-hmm. was one of my favorites to watch each night. Every morning I'd collect the papers of uh, the headlines, like uh, our plane shot down and they were holding hostages. And I got really into it, the whole military thing, and I started researching all I could about military equipment, martial arts, survival. I started collecting weapons, BB guns, knives. Each weekend I would, I would beg my mom to take me to the local Army and Navy store so I could buy more gear. I mean, I had everything. And I was only like 13 or 14. And wow. um, I remember on Halloween, I went to my middle school dressed in full army gear. I mean, I had a, a gas mask. <laughs> I had a backpack. I mean, if I did that today, they'd probably call the police and Homeland Security oh, or something. absolutely. We'd never see you again. They'd say, well, there was this 13-year-old boy, but we don't know what happened to him. <laughs> yeah, it, but I, I got really into it, and uh, then the movie Navy Seals came out with Charlie Sheen, and that's when I really knew I wanted to be in the Special Forces, either a Navy Seal or a Green Beret, and I started to push myself and train to be able to do it. I, I joined a, a Jeet Kune Do kickboxing club in Mineola, uh-huh. and that was the same time the um, the MMA came out for the first time with like, Hoist Gracie and a lot of the people who started it, and I, I got into that, weightlifting, jogging. Eventually, what happened was I couldn't join the military because a few weeks later, I got into a really bad car accident, and I messed my back up. So uh, I wasn't able to join the military. So from there, I started learning web design because I was immobile. It took a long time to heal my back. Um, So um, I started learning. uh, I was always artistic. I started learning all the different computer programs. uh, But then... What really got me into the whole the preparedness industry was uh, 9-11, the whole 2012 thing, mm-hmm. um, the Y2K thing. Well, I mean, I think it's one of those things that it, it was just so unexpected. It's not like we had any warning whatsoever. We're all just going about our daily lives, and this horrible thing happens. So yeah. I think it, it popped a lot of our, our normalcy bubbles, I believe. Yeah, it, it was a huge wake-up call for me because it's like everything I knew 
my whole world was like turned upside down that day. Did you live up there at the time? Yeah, I was in Long Island at the time. Um, actually, when it happened, I was in um, I was on vacation on the beach. I was a hotel, at a hotel on the beach. I turned on the TV, and uh, planes are crashing into the Twin Towers. First, when I woke up and turned the TV on, I thought I was watching a movie. You know, there's no yeah. way this could be happening. No, you I was can't know. Right. Uh, Until I, I started changing the channels, and it was on every single channel. So then I got really scared. I said, all right, um, we got to go. So we started driving back home. I wanted to be near my family. There was all these fire trucks driving from all the way out there to go help. And this, the, the roads were blocked. It took me a really long time to get home. They wouldn't even let me home to get onto Northern Boulevard to get back home. I told them I live here, and they, they let me through. They had all right. the, the, the roads blocked. I said, all right, I got to start getting prepared. The main thing about it for me was economics. Um, I figured that if I didn't do something to change my life, I would be stuck in the same economic cycle as everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, Working a dead-end job, living paycheck to paycheck, and that type of lifestyle is designed to keep you in Mm -hmm. that lifestyle with no room for advancement. So I kept pounding my head on the table, trying to think of something that I can enjoy doing while also making money and making sure my family is uh, prepared and that we survive. I didn't want to be in the city hustle and bustle anymore. I wanted a relaxed, calm environment where I could raise my family and enjoy myself. And we found a beautiful home in the mountains up in the the mountains, right next to a ski resort. I started my first garden, thanks to the people at Survival Essentials. Oh, I was just going to, Vince, I was just going to ask you if you were able to get a gardening, a garden going. Awesome. Absolutely. Yay. so awesome. And my daughter, who's (laughs) two, she comes outside, she calls them babies. When she sees a little um, vegetable growing, she calls it a baby, and she loves it. Yeah, we started a, uh, a community survival garden. Anyone in my neighbors can come pick stuff. Um, I got a really good yield, a lot of uh, zucchini, squash, and stuff like that. All my tomato plants died from blight, though. I was pretty disappointed in that because I was going to make a lot of salsa and sauce and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so that's what got me to preparedness, and then I, I moved upstate, and uh, it's been really, uh, really fun. So... I'm assuming that you've continued accumulating your preparedness supplies. Uh, how have they grown since you now have this nice space to put them in? Do you feel like you fill up the space as you get more? Oh, we've got a six-bedroom house, but it still seems like there's not enough space. We're constantly <laughs> throwing, downsizing and have to throw stuff out, which is one of the most important parts of preparedness is organization. Mm-hmm. Every day or every couple of weeks, you should be reorganizing stuff, mm-hmm. checking your supplies, throwing out stuff you don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, because in an emergency situation, it's all about where is the stuff that you need. If your house is full of clutter, yes. it, you're going to have a really hard time finding what you need. And people who are just getting into prepping or don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. just start with becoming better organized. You may already have stuff around your house that you don't need to go out and buy that you don't even remember that you have. Just look through your house, go through your inventory, start organizing things, find out where your flashlight is, find out where, you know, this is. I mean, some people don't even know where their circuit breakers are on their house. 
That's true. It's absolutely true. What are some of your uh, favorite extra storage spaces that some people don't think about using for their preparedness supplies? Well, I buy those um, plastic um, boxes. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, what, 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 what would you call them? They're, uh, uh, yeah, storage, storage containers. Yeah, I just buy plastic storage containers. I wait till they're on sale at like Lowe's or some, you know, store, and I buy a bunch of them, and they stack nicely on top of each other, and they go under my stairs or in my basement, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's what I use to store most of my stuff. And you can label it with tape or or whatever, and uh, yeah, I yeah, use the fancy. It does. I use the fancy labeling um, called masking tape. Yeah, that's perfect. That's fine. That and a, sharp, a sharpie marker. And a sharpie, right? Actually, the probably the better thing for me to have done is just write on the plastic. Now, do you use the solid uh, colored ones or do you use the clear ones? Clear the ones. Clear, yeah, clear. So do I. So that's that's a great idea. Um, do you use like under the bed storage, or have you made any cubby holes in any walls or anything like that? Yes, yes. Any spot where I can do that, I, I try to take advantage of. Um, my house already came with inside the walls in certain rooms. Mm-hmm. You can open a door, and there's like hidden hidden trap spaces. You can hide stuff. So good. You know, I I really like that. So I, I hide more of my top secret stuff in there. So you know, it's funny when if people really walked around and they looked wall to wall and really thought about how wide that wall is, you would be surprised where you can find dead space that. If you open up that wall, there's nothing in there. But you got to walk around and, and really think about, now, you know what? That wall's a little thicker than it's supposed to be, right? Sure, yeah. And where I live, it gets really cold. So if you use that dead space and fill it up with either cans of food or whatever, that's extra insulation. Heck, yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we did talk about nine one one, but nine eleven. Let's talk about uh, your worldview for today. Do you think that everything's peachy keen, or are we going to heck in a handbasket soon? We are going to heck in a handbasket, and uh, it's all about who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either like Bush said, you're either with the terrorists or you're with us. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means because I consider him to be one of the terrorists. Um, <laughs> I believe that people are no longer in control of their government. It's just gotten so ridiculous. It's not even funny. I mean, Obama is clearly supporting ISIS. He clearly lied to us about being a Muslim. Not that being a, there's anything wrong with being a Muslim, but there is something wrong with supporting ISIS who's beheading Christians in the Middle East. Such a confusing time. We have all these non- politicos uh, that are, you know, the, quote, outsiders, and and are they going to do a good job? Do we really need someone with experience? How many skeletons are in the closet for these people? Because, you know, the thing is about the politicians, we've already vetted them. They've already, all their skeletons pretty much have all come out. Because when you go for any election, your opponent is going to dig and research and look for any little thing they could possibly say about you. So pretty much all these politicians that are longtime politicians, their skeletons are out there. It's not that they don't have them, but we all pretty much know what they are. We don't know what all these other people have for their skeletons. And are the Democrats just sitting back and they're going to wait 
if you were thinking about voting for a Republican and the Democrats say, well, you know, we know this about her and this about him. And and then yeah. we go, oh, gee, maybe we shouldn't have elected him as our candidate because yeah. that's a bad idea. So I, who knows? I, I Every day oh. my husband and I look at each other and go, you know, we hear something good. We hear something bad. I don't even believe in political parties anymore. I'm trying to restore the People's Party. The People's Party yeah. was a movement, an uh, early movement. Um, I think it was in the 1800s or the early 1900s. But the new People Party, I call it the People Party 2.0 or the United People's Party, you can be a, a Republican, you can be a Democrat, you can be independent. It doesn't matter. Your party doesn't matter. It's what you mm-hmm. stand for as an individual. Right. So I'm encouraging everyone to forget about party affiliation when you go to sign up on your voter registration form, write other and write the People's Party. It's time to give power back to the people, and it's time that we start restoring common sense mm-hmm. in government. Right. I it's think been a uh, very stressful time. I think I think for everybody, for all different reasons, for financial reasons, for you know what's going on in the world. I think it's just been it's been very stressful. Now, what do you think you know would be the actual event that you believe that could take us over the brink and, and put us all into kind of survival mode. Okay. I already think, um, well, number one, I think it's going to be a, a collapse of the dollar. Um, okay. Maybe a World War III event in Syria, um, mass, maybe massive terror attacks in the United States that ushers in martial law. But I believe since 9-11 we've already been in a slow-motion collapse. We all we all have children, and what do we want? We want a better world for them. We want them to live a better life than we led. We want them to have more stability. Sadly, I don't see that, maybe not 10 years, but I don't see that 20 years from now or maybe 15. I just don't see it. I, I don't know what has to change. I don't have yeah. the answer, but I, I definitely a leadership change of, of some sort. Unfortunately, maybe major change. Reminds me of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Everyone always thought that <laughs> oh, it could never happen to America. Why? What makes people think that the same thing couldn't happen here? Well, because we've been living, you know, with stability for so long. With they, but you if want you, to know why that if is? If you know even, history, right? Because people aren't paying attention. They don't know no, history. We've been you know living history, so well. Because yeah. we've been manipulating the dollar at the expense of other third world nations. Everything that America has is because we've been using economic warfare against other countries. Now, we're getting, they're getting hit to this. China, Russia, the BRIC countries. That's how the Soviet Union collapsed. We tricked them into a collapse by overspending them. Right. Now, they're getting right. hit Making to Making them feel like they needed to buy more and more military. Yeah. Guess whose turn yeah. it is now to collapse? Oh, it's all part of the plan because America can collapse. We don't care. We're turning into the North American Union. They've got it all figured out already. And the plan and the playbook is already in play, and people have to wake up or they're not going to have an edge. You know, if if you want to have an edge on the economy and survival, you have to really know what these people are really trying to do. Yes, and you have to have supplies, and you have to have knowledge, and you have yes. to just at least be awake to the possibility. That's that's the problem. A lot of people just don't want to even think that things can change at all. But things 
like we saw in history, can change at the blink of an eye. Boom, that's it. Pearl Harbor, boom, it changed. We're in the war. Everyone thought we were going to be able to stay out of it. You know, we'll just give some support, but we'll stay over here in our own little country and be to ourselves. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes yeah. some event uh, event occurs and we're we're dragged into it whether we want to be or not. It's not that we want to be so incredibly militaristic. The average folk, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the leaders. The average folk did not want to go around killing and shooting everyone in the world. We just don't want to do it. But sometimes something happens and we don't have a choice. Yeah. And that's the thing we have to be aware of, that it can happen and we just need to be prepared for it. Yeah. So that's my final word about that. Let's let's talk about your motto. You have a nice motto. Continuity of community. Um, and well, let's talk well, about what you mean by that. Well, the, mod, the full motto is continuity of community. What we can't do alone, we can do together. And how I came up with that was I um, started training with FEMA they have an online course where you can start getting certificates, whether it's pandemics or radiological emergencies. And the government has a thing called COG, Continuity of Government. They mm -hmm. designed it during the Cold War to ensure that if there was ever a decapitation strike by the Soviets from nuclear weapons, that the government would still survive, and uh, that was through... Um, the deep underground military bases, chain of command. I took um, inspiration from that, but at a community level, how that you can ensure your survival through continuity of community, which means getting closer with your neighbors, developing a, um, a preparedness and survival plan for uh, natural disasters and emergency. We all saw in Katrina how long it took the government to help. You can't always rely on the government for help especially if it's a large-scale disaster, World War III, or uh, economic collapse. It's going right. to come down to you and your neighbors. So You're the right. friendly you are with your neighbors, and no man is an island, too. You can't do this all by yourself. So if you have one person that specializes in medical, the other one's really good at farming, the other one's really good at building stuff, or the other one's a hunter, you have a better shot if you pool all your resources together. That's what I was thinking when I came up, came up with that. I have a bunch of books from different authors about survival in a, in a community group setting, suburban living or rural living. I got a book right here by uh, Charlie Hogwood's survival Char I was book. Just, I was just going to tell you, Charlie Hogwood is a dear, dear friend of ours and lives pretty close. <laughs> we're, we're good friends. He's got a great book. I remember in the 50s and 60s, I mean, I wasn't there, but I, um, from what I've seen, people were a lot friendlier with their neighbors. If someone moved in to town from a different place, mm -hmm. the neighbors would stop by with food or cake and introduce themselves. Now it's like, oh, my God, is the next person they moved in there, are they a terrorist or Chinese people <laughs> next door? It's like, no one, you know, they don't even wave to each other, let alone like each other. Mm -hmm. They're like call the police on each other or this person has too much garbage in their yard or a fire. <laughs> you, you can't do stuff like that. You've got to be friendly with your neighbors. <laughs> if you live in a city, that may be harder mm -hmm. to do. Where I live, it's a very small rural town. Everyone knows each other. They know what they're doing. 
and uh, it's a lot easier. But continuity yeah. of community doesn't have to be your town. It could also be the global community. It could be on the Internet. Yeah. If you're part of a Facebook group of survival. Yay! Uh, I got you know, it you're there. On Twitter. <laughs> okay? That's still a community. And the That's larger right. you grow your network, the, the more opportunity you're going to have for yourself to help others or to help yourself. It's true. And we do. We have so many good people that we meet. We meet them. Uh, in Florida, there was a show. So Central Florida, I know there's a, a ton of people that are just amazing. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, close to us because we're in South Florida. Um, we were just recently in Georgia. Fantastic people. We were in North Carolina last weekend. Fantastic people. Incredible people all across the country. And they're Everywhere we go, I love it. I gotta have so much fun traveling the country together. We do. <laughs> that is, you know, it's, it's a dream a of my wife's to do that too. She wants to eventually get an RV and then wrap the whole thing with graphics for like the survival network and just travel go. the country. Um, we want to homeschool our daughter, but when we're teaching history lessons and geography, instead of a book, we're gonna take her to the actual places That's and right. show her for real and me and me and my wife get to go on vacation while working at the same time i mean what else could you ask for it all works it all works out and yes are we hectically insanely crazy stressed sometimes but we love what we're doing and meeting all these people has just been a, a true blessing it really has we're there are just there have been people that i i literally teared up after they walked away because they said such nice things you think you see all these terrible things on television, you hear all these terrible things about people, and then you meet all of these genuinely nice people, and it yeah. it, mo- it moves us. It really does. Hey, can you tell me a little bit more about your guys' motto about putting a <laughs> medically prepared person in each family? Wait, who's getting interviewed here? <laughs> well, there's something I have to say about that. Um, after um, you tell me a little more about it. Well... We saw Katrina. We we actually lived through Hurricane Andrew ourselves too, and and helped out people. Um, but it's our our purpose because we saw the government did not come in and help. It, they didn't bring first aid. There were people who were dying. They were sick. They were hungry. They were thirsty. The hospitals were overrun, specifically in Katrina with gangs. The generators were out. They ran out of supplies. They were flooded. I mean, it was just chaos. And we thought, this is not right. We're not teaching first aid to folks in high school. They're not learning it in college because everybody specializes in what they're going to do, you know, quote, when they grow up. And so people don't know this stuff on a general basis, even typical wound care. And so we just started writing. Because we became preppers, and we said, well, we need to, we know medical, so let's think outside the box. So our mission is to put a medically prepared person in every family so somebody can help the, the family unit or, or the next-door neighbors or the whole community and disseminate the information that, that hopefully they got from us or from others. They don't care where they get it from, just so they get it. And then they have some supplies so that they can care for each other. And it's setting up communities all over the country and the world. We have people who read. We have pretty much had someone read our website from 
I think there's maybe one or two countries in the entire world, someone from every country, at least one, if not more, every country in the entire world has looked at our website. That's, That's pretty crazy. crazy. That's pretty crazy. That's, that's that is, just overwhelming. That is awesome, and that, that is a wonderful goal. Um, medical is one of the most important parts of survival. Um, you, you have food and medical. Uh, to me, those are the two most important things, food food and medical, which food includes water. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I was going to say while I asked you that is I have no medical training or background, but what I did and what I suggest to everyone else is they go to their local Red Cross and they take um, the, the basic adult first aid, a child adult basic first aid and CPR class. Yeah. I took that at my local community center and I learned so much from that one course. It, it, it was awesome. I, I learned so yeah. much and they gave me a certificate, at, but it is well worth it. You will be it certified is. by the Red Cross. And how amazing would it be if we required that for high school graduation? And and the community provided it for free for those teenagers. They should. Uh, college, uh, high school health classes are a joke. They teach you how to yeah. wrap a condom around a cucumber. That's what they're I learned joke. in health class. They're, they're absolute jokes. I think the requirement for high school should be every kid should know basic first aid mm-hmm. and, and CPR. We would have so many people say, you know, I, I've come across so many car accidents. You talked about being in a head-on collision a couple of times. I have come across so many, my husband and I both, but sometimes separately, car accidents where I could jump out of the car and run to the victim and at least start doing something while I'm screaming at someone else to call 911. Some, and sometimes it's just keeping the person calm. Maybe they don't need first aid. Maybe they're wandering around their car like what just happened, and you keep calm them down. You know that shock is an issue, so you want to keep them warm and relaxed and calm. And maybe you didn't do anything else but that, but that could save their lives. Sure, you sure. Know? After, after I took this course, I was on the bus one day, and a girl sitting right next to me had a mm-hmm. seizure. <clears throat> the bus pulled over. Everyone was freaking out. They didn't know right. what to do. Of course. The driver was about to call, call, the, the, call an ambulance, right? The bus was actually taking us to Strong Memorial Hospital, which we were like three minutes away from. Mm-hmm. Now, after I took this course, I told everyone to relax. I said, everyone, relax, okay? I said, I, I'm, I have got, I'm certified by the Red Cross in, in first aid. I said, she's having a seizure. She'll be fine. Right. When people don't know about a seizure and see someone having a seizure, they think like, oh, my God, she's going to die. They think oh. they think they're witnessing death is what they yes. think. Yes. So first, I was able. I mean, it I looks was able to, you know scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks very scary. I was able to calm everyone down, and I also told the bus driver what to do. I said, "You don't pull over if you're two minutes away from the hospital already." I said, keep "By the time please. an ambulance comes here, it, I said just keep going. Trust." And I even had to yell at the bus driver. I had to raise my voice. I don't think I would have had the confidence to do that on the bus. Right. unless I had some minimal medical training. I agree. It takes training, and it takes going through practicing what if something happens. How am I going to react? Staying calm is one of the most important parts of it. That's right. That's absolutely right. All right, let's talk about your magazine. You put out an awesome online magazine called Disaster Survival Magazine, and uh, we actually made the cover. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, I've been getting a lot of great responses about the latest issue with Aww, you guys. Oh, so. yay. 
magazine. So you look happy. great on the cover. They really enjoy it. And Disasters <laughs> from Out Magazine is now interactive now. You can flip through it online. We're going to be embedding videos, and we're going to be embedding radio, and it's got clickable hyper, hyperlinks, and uh, it's really doing well. Uh, our next issue is issue number seven. Um, mm-hmm. We're still accepting articles for the next issue for uh, possible submission. If anyone wants to submit articles for inclusion, send okay. it to Disaster Survival Magazine at gmail.com. We'll take a look at it. If it's good, we'll include it. Uh, we'll add the graphics. It's doing very, very well. The next issue should be out in about a month. If if anyone wants to subscribe, they can go to DisasterSurvivalNetwork.com and you click on the magazine button and you can subscribe. And we talk about survival, prepping, hunting, camping, off-grid living, medical, gardening, pretty much everything that has to do with anything you would ever need to know about survival and preparedness. Oh, it's fantastic, really. I mean, again, it's it's the one stop that you can get a lot of information. And and all of us want to get a lot of information in one place. It's hard. I know people come to our website. They go to other people's website. It's, it's really hard, and I apologize. But if you only have a little bit of time, guys, <clears throat> you can get a lot of information in one location. And at least, you know, spend, you know, one evening going through that, and then you can spend another evening on our website. <laughs> yeah, uh, for all, I do this for all of the friends of the network, the Zestrofile Network. If anyone goes to your website and purchases mm-hmm. any medical gear, I will give them a free one-year subscription to the Zestrofile Magazine. Wow. Now, however you want to work that out is up to you. I mean, if, if you okay. get an order... Um, you can just say, you, I need to email a subscription to this person. I'll, okay. I will set up, I'll, I'll set up some graphics. Um, we'll talk about it more after the interview, but let's definitely set that's that up. That's very nice of you. Oh, yeah, no problem. I mean, Thank the, the, you. More, it, the more issues out there, the more exposure it gets, the better. You know, the better so. That is really, really nice. I have never given anything like that, people who purchase from our store and Thank you so much. That was very nice of you. I did not expect that. Thank yeah, you. No <laughs> That's really nice. All right, so tell us a little bit more about the website. They've got the magazine. It's it's interactive. Is there anything else they should know? Well, the website, we just did a major revamp on the website. It, it uh-huh. took me a while. It took a lot of banging my head against the table. <laughs> um, but, don't uh, don't do it. that. You're going you're gonna to end up in the hospital again. <laughs> there was there only, only you had video of that. <laughs> Yeah, but that's hey, one more reason to learn medical stuff because people do such yeah. stupid stuff. Oh God! All right, so about your website. Yeah, so the website we've got links to the magazine, we've got links to the radio show, we've got links to our new uh, video channel, um, mm-hmm. we've got a preparedness mall, um, disaster daily and disaster weekly, which is a daily paper and a weekly paper, which mm-hmm. recaps all the the stories of the, the survival and preparedness industry. We have mm-hmm. a, a lot of original articles and content. We've got RSS feeds from some of the uh, the biggest names and websites in the preparedness and survival industry. It's doing very well. Uh, if people want to check it out, go to DisasterSurvivalNetwork.com. And I'm sure they will enjoy it and find a lot of information very useful and helpful. Fantastic. Now, you also started a podcast. Can you talk about who and uh, about what, what you're talking about on your podcast? It's a very broad spectrum. We interview as many people as we can on as, as much different subject matter. Um, if someone's throwing an expo, a survival expo, 
we'll interview the person who's throwing it. Then we will invite different vendors who are going to be there to come on for like 15 minutes and talk about mm -hmm. what they do. Um, if someone has a new book on prepping or survival, we'll invite the author on. We'll talk about the book. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone has a new product, we'll invite them on. If someone's a specialist in a certain area, if they're a firefighter, a cert team member, or even if it's just a, a survival story, if they're playing sure. crash and, and they were stuck out in the wilderness, we'll mm -hmm. have them on the show and we'll, we'll talk about it. It's a lot of uh, different content, a lot of unique guests, and uh, it, it's a really good show. We're getting a lot more uh, listeners, and uh, the network is growing more and more every day. Well, that is wonderful. Well, good luck with that. And if you ever want some medical stuff, just let us know. We'll be happy oh, absolutely. to do a little you guys, You guys are actually... <laughs> If you go on the home page and you click on categories mm -hmm. and you go to medical, you guys are our main uh, medical provider. So your RSS feed from your website is hooked up to our medical category. Oh, so when we write the articles, it goes straight on there. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm on the medical page right now, and the articles are Survival Medicine Hour, Amputation, Insomnia, and more. Oh, There's yes. I I spent 30 minutes talking about insomnia. <laughs> I said, well, um, I said, if you can't go to, go to sleep, then maybe you'll just listen to this and I'll put you to sleep. <laughs> my wife deals with that. You know what she uses? Benadryl. Yeah, I do talk about that. She should listen. to It's the second half. The first half is amputation. If you want to listen to amputation, feel free. But the second half of the show is insomnia. And she might actually enjoy it because she might get some hints. She should okay. listen to it. Yeah, it's the second half. Um, like I said, it's about... Great, so. great. And then we got <laughs> another article here from you guys about how to uh, control bleeding and quick clot. Oh, yeah. That's that's a big thing. People want to know the difference between C-LOX and quick clot and, you know, is there one that's better? How do they work? You know, what are they made of? What's, what do you do with them? It's it's really good to know these things. Um, and remember, we I think we talked about this before the show started. Every drop of blood counts. All right, so what can we expect from disaster survival in the future? The main thing we're working on now is the dedicated video channel, which is going to be um, it's going to be like a Netflix-style um, setup where mm -hmm. you log on to disastersurvivalnetwork.tv, mm -hmm. and there's going to be different channels. Uh, there's going to be a medical channel, survival channel, hunting channel, and you will be able to watch whatever videos you want on whatever category. That's the big thing we're working on now. Um, we're accepting videos. If anyone wants to have their own channel or they want to submit videos, uh, please email it to us, and uh, we'll take a look at the video. If we think it it's, uh, should be put up, we'll put it up. Um, that's the, the number one thing we're working on right now. But um, as far as the network itself, we're just going to continue to grow the network with the, the radio show, the magazine, and the, and the video. And uh, it is growing at such an exponential rate I might actually have to start hiring some uh, employees and volunteers. So if, uh, if anyone wants to help, uh, again, please email me or get any contact with us. We're always looking for, for writers, web designers, people in marketing, video producers, all that stuff. That is wonderful. And, guys, if you got something to share, and I think a lot of our listeners have amazing information in their heads. You don't think that you do. But your knowledge, your education, your experience can be something that can help others learn. 
Learn from Absolutely. what you did. You know, we all have to, again, it goes all back to the community. Yes, I was just right? going to say that. It, it, back to the, our motto, the continuity of community. What right. we can't do alone, we can do together. Anyone who submits an article that is published, they get a, a free one-year subscription to the magazine. There you go. So that, that's an extra incentive. And, uh, yes. Becoming part of something bigger than yourself. I like to think of the Disaster Survival Network as uh, it's like a nationwide survival network. Um, you've heard of these CERT teams, right, the Community Emergency Response Teams? Of course, yeah. We encourage. We've written a lot and talked a lot about CERT teams and how important it is uh, yeah. for people to learn. Disaster Survival Network is like a, a looser version of CERT. Um, there's a lot of people who don't really like trust the government or want to be involved with anything that's with government. So it's more like a, a people's CERT team mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, and, okay. Uh, we're actually looking for uh, preparedness leaders in each state and each town. So if anyone wants to become a leader in their area, contact us and we'll We'll uh, help you with uh, whatever support information you need, and uh, we suggest everyone to start their own survival group. Even uh, you can hold your own prepping parties, or uh, <laughs> there's right. so much stuff you can do. Hey, that sounds like fun. If anyone wants to have a prepping party in South Florida, let me know. <laughs> yeah, what, what you do at the prepping parties is you can make uh, you bring your own survival food. If you if you dry your own uh, beef jerky or you have any you know cool. Oh, I have the yoder. I have the yoder's bacon. I can bring bacon. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then you know you guys just go over different you know survival scenarios and you just it's fun. It really it is, is fun. It is fun. All right. Well, it was really nice talking to you, Vince. Um, I think we're going to have to put this in two parts. So if you guys have been listening, you had probably the first part last week, and this is the second part. (laughs) Uh, We've been talking for almost an hour, so uh, we'll see what we can do either to get it in two shows or maybe make it the whole show. All right. This has been uh, the Survival Medicine Hour with Vince Van Doom of Disaster Survival Magazine, a fantastic magazine. You guys need to get one. And uh, we will talk soon. Bye, guys. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. All right, bye-bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.